You're listening to Candy Chateau from Rayman, released September 19th, 1995, composed by Remy Gazelle, Didier Lord, and Stefan Bellinger. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of the movie bar every month with the dyad. It is Petroth. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's good to be back. Been a minute. That, that, that little break you gave me. Yeah. yeah been a minute. Yeah, you uh, did not get all somber with me last week during the funerals and remembrance episode that you, you did have some tracks submitted for that show but yeah yeah i didn't get to join you but i i did listen I, wow i got a little squeaky there i did i did get to listen how old to are you it. again and, uh, <laughs> right it's like i'm shuka pal i don't know what's going on um, <laughs> it was a fun episode to do though even though it's kind of a somber topic but it was fun together yeah yeah, I mean, it was. I enjoyed listening to it. The uh, I was glad you glad you enjoyed my tracks. I um I thought that you would dig that. Uh, let me see. It was the one from the game actually called First Rights or Last Rights. Yeah, <laughs> Mikey Thinman. Last Rights. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Yep, that was, that was that was super dope. Yeah, even though I'm not super familiar with the game, but right? Yeah, yeah. I I uh, of course I've heard of. Destiny, and I think I've heard of Jade Empire. Um, I had never at all heard of, of Last Rite before, so I, I assumed it was fairly obscure. So, uh, you mentioned something in that episode, though, that you you thought you had an idea of how we were going to approach this week's topic, and I, I kind of got nervous because I didn't have anything in mind. I just grabbed stuff that like was kind of related to it, but then I started w- wondering, did we talk about something? Did we have a plan no. and I just forgot? No, we didn't. I just say things okay. sometimes. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And let's talk about this week's theme here. But before we do that, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers. See what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week. Works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jack Sachs and Zadku. See, so yeah, I bedrock this week. We are doing something a little different, a little fun and yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, obscure, right? Like, uh, it's too bad we couldn't find anything from Hiroki Kakuda on this uh, on this show because <laughs> or this episode, because I feel like this is a, a very eccentric episode as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Looking at our music choices, we're gonna we're gonna be going lots of different places, and um, yeah, one one unifying theme that I have not heard. I think I heard it once on Rhythm and Pixels. They did something kind of similar to this, but I haven't heard anybody else do anything like this. Uh, before we uh, actually mention the topic, though, I do have a question, Brian. Uh, you mentioned last week that you were you were actually not um, par- part- partaking in your usual recreational activity while you were recording. I didn't. Um, I'm wondering if you have been this evening because. Oh yeah. Well, do you have the munchies? Because that might be that might be topical for tonight. It might <laughs> be topical, and yes, I have been partaking tonight, so <laughs> I, I should be good to go. I, I probably will throw down on some pop tarts or something a little bit later. That tends to be my uh, my late night snack when I'm <laughs> pretty baked. But <laughs> probably. What's your favorite kinda... flavor? Uh, my favorite flavor of pop tart is actually wild berry. Oh, but, dude, I love those. Yeah, but I can't that was freaking the one find them anymore. It's it's so tough. I um, Whenever I do see them, I usually grab a box or two because I love those. I buy those several things, when I see wild berry. Those are my favorite. They're hard flavor. to find. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think my old standby is brown sugar cinnamon. See, I like brown sugar cinnamon. And that's, one of, that's like the one that Kyle hates the most. Like him and I, I talk about Pop-Tarts sometimes. Oh, man. He freaking can't stand that I like brown sugar and cinnamon. But I do love that flavor. Um, I pretty much like any flavor. I always usually have several boxes stocked in the pantry. Uh, I've really been yeah. digging, as of late, the new grape flavor. I think that's pretty freaking dope. Ooh, I'll have to try that. I'm not usually a fan of grape-flavored things, but if uh, if you like the wild berry and you like that, maybe I'll have to give it a shot. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if there's ever been any Pop-Tart influence in video games. Because, you know, there's been there's been Chex, there's been M&M's, there's been Pepsi and Domino's and all kinds of Burger King and all kinds of stuff. Ever seen any Pop Tart games out there? I don't think I have. No, I don't think so. And I don't even know what it could potentially look like if there was one. I don't know, man. These uh, these food licensed food based games are all really kind of weird. So. <laughs> yeah, they are. And that's that's kind of the the theme and the topic that we're exploring today. Now, now, granted, um, some of these games we picked from they're not really like licensed food games, right? But what right. we decided to to go with and what we're calling this episode is just food groups and pretty much anything that was food related i said is fair game at least in my head i said is fair game oh you know what you're mentioning food groups i'm wondering now if i did think at one point that i would try to bring something that represented you know the four classical food groups each each one but i think I you may have said I, that at one point i don't think i did but i don't think i actually did that but let me see i've got i've got meats i've got veggies uh got well, that could be that's dairy and do i have anything that could be some kind of well i mean one of my tracks is a food that famously encompasses all four food groups we'll just have to see how it goes 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did. Like you said, I just went through and found a bunch of food tracks and threw in a random buffet of goodness. That's sort of what I did, too. Yeah, you and I explored very different games and kind of different routes. I I sort of had an idea of where I was going to go and some of the games I was going to pick from. You definitely, looking at your playlist, went quite a bit more obscure, which I'm super excited (laughs) about. Yeah, I I had um, my short list, as usual, was about 20 songs long after I narrowed it down. Um, those were the ones that stuck out to me when I listened to the longer list as I was working. And I did intentionally weed out some of the more well-known stuff because, um, you know, I like like mixing it up sometimes. So, And I definitely have some well-known tracks, at least well-known games, in mm-hmm. this playlist on, on my picks. And one of those is actually our opening track, which comes from the original Rayman, released back in uh, 1995 on September 19th. We're talking about Candy Chateau to open us out for the uh, for the show today. Yeah, we had our dessert first. Yeah, dessert first, you know. <laughs> being, you know, every now and then it's okay to be a kid. Uh, kids like to eat their desserts first, or just desserts only, and skip the rest of the food. But, um... I know I've played this game. I know I've played it, but I can't remember the stages because it's been so long. I have not played any Rayman games outside of a little bit of Rayman Legends at one point. Dang, you're missing out, dude. These games are fun. Origins and Legends were fantastic. Yeah, um, I've almost picked them up a couple of times. It's one of those things that's like, do I really know when I'm going to get to it? They always seem like they're on sale anyway. I'll just, you know, at some point, but... But yeah, what I played of, of Legends, I really, really, really enjoyed. But yeah, I didn't get into it at all in the 90s and the early 2000s. That's that's a little surprising. It is a, a pretty solid platformer. Um, anyone that liked, you know, Nintendo stuff growing up, that's kind of why I just kind of gravitated toward Rayman as they started releasing and kind of fell in love with the formula that they were going with there. And just kind of like the, the wackiness and craziness that Rayman games generally always have in them. Now, they did step that Mm -hmm. up once Origins and Legends came out and with some of the rhythm-based levels and everything as well, which I thought was super freaking cool. But um, this particular track here, Candy Chateau, it is kind of crazy, man. Like, it it goes in a couple different directions, right? It kind of shifts halfway through and almost feels, you even mentioned it while we were listening to it, it really feels like a carnival in in a lot of ways (laughs) yeah yeah um kind of a crazy carnival and like you said uh, the switch halfway through makes makes me wonder if that's probably a game design choice you know it feels like it has to be like something happens in the level and so that's why the the sound goes this whole different direction right i would think so but again i don't remember i do remember the level like having some sort of candy elements in the background and on some of the platforms that you were navigating but which candy they were and like what the actual level had in it, I couldn't tell you because it's been so long. But um, I do like this track and I thought it was a fun way to open the show. Yeah, it was fun. And it's definitely got that hyper, you know, sugar rush candy vibe going for it. Um, it's uh, I was going to ask, what is your favorite candy? You don't have to go with a specific brand, but like what kind, you know, like chocolate, caramel, um, peanut butter, what kind of, probably what do you like peanut, to get down? Probably on? peanut butter in terms of like Reese's peanut butter cups or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, I do like milk duds as well. 
Okay. And okay. I'm also a big fan of Skittles. All good stuff, man. Skittles and milk duds don't always play nicely with uh, with my fillings these days, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I do like them. I know that. Another I know one that, that I used to is. love when I was a kid that I can't uh, I can't have anymore because that is. Uh, you ever had bit of honey? Yes, actually. Yeah, that's that takes you back, huh? <laughs> yeah, those. If I remember but correctly, those were like super sticky and chewy, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah. They, it was like this. It was a kind of a crunch bar sized wrapper. But when you open it up, it's like six sort of perforated little bars of this like chewy, sort of caramely honey goodness. And uh, it's really cool stuff. Um, I, my favorite these days, it's kind of weird. I've um, I've defaulted to payday. I like paydays a lot. Oh, okay. I feel like they fill me up more than, than some other things. But I'll always go for a Snickers or, you know, um, I tend I to like, like... I do like Milky Way and Twix as well. Mm-hmm. I like... I like <laughs> Uh, it's too bad Frank's not here. Um, I like nuts in my chocolate. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know, he'd, he'd have, have something to say. He'd about have that. a clever comment on that, <laughs> like usual. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good old Frank Carroll. <laughs> well, good old Frank Carroll. But hey, that is a great transition to your really first is. block. Because I know that he would also have a, a pretty awesome comment for for this first game too. And he um, also did a food truck based on this food he did he did do it yeah that's right that's right frank was frank was having his own little hot dog storm all the all the time he was. on that food he truck was. so <laughs> But yeah, so taking us into our first block. First, we are going to give a listen to Stage 4 from Hot Dog Storm, released in 1996 and composed by Shigenori Masuko and Yoko Kawashima.
Next, we're going to listen to the music that plays on the Carrot Plateau and Peanut Village levels of Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom, released February 8, 1991, composed by Tomotsune Maeno. Closing out our last block, we're listening to in-game music from Fast Food and Fantasy World Dizzy, released April 1989, and the Commodore 64 version was composed by Steve Barrett.
right, coming back from our first block, we're talking about Hot Dog Storm. <laughs> we listened to the Stage 4 track. Uh, kind of a short and sweet one, but you probably let it loop a couple of times, huh? Eh, most likely twice, yeah. Yeah. That was fun stuff, though. What'd you think? I really like this track, man. I am not familiar. I think this was from, from when I did the research to, to pull the composers in the year that they came out. I believe this was an arcade game. Yep, arcade uh, vertical shooter. Yeah, it's uh, and as far as I can tell, nothing to do with robots. This is not like Parodius stuff going on here. Or sorry, nothing to do with hot dogs. I don't know why I said robots. Um, <laughs> not like a, this is not like a Parodius thing or anything going on. So I don't have any idea why it's. I don't know, and I don't know if it's translated as hot dog storm or if that's actually what they called it in Japan. I don't think this cabinet ever hit the states, as far yeah, as I know. Highly. Highly doubt yeah, it. Yeah, but um, this, it sounds like, you know, sounds like shooter music, which is always good. So. It does. And I really like, like, I don't know if that's technically some synth in the background. It sort of sounds like it is to me. Yeah. yeah and I love like that it. sound. And I, I don't know anything about, like, what sort of hardware was on this particular cabinet. And I According to the to... YouTube video, it was the YM2203 and OKIM6295 sound chips. Okay. So Yamaha something and then whatever OKIM is. Okay, so the YM2203, um, that one does sound familiar. That is an FM synth chip, so there's the synth that okay, you were talking about. Okay, so that's what about. I'm hearing there, yeah. Um, it was used um, in a variety of NEC computers, so that's a Japanese computer conglomerate and it was used used in different arcade machines so um let me see so it was used in 1943 black tiger commando Gunsmoke, uh ghosts and goblins so yeah a lot of, a lot of the capcom cabinets okay i could i could even hear like some similarities to ghost and goblin soundtrack here another one is uh the arcade version of gynaug or legendary wings here in the states so uh, Space Harrier, um, Legend of Kage. So yeah, okay, yeah, you can definitely hear some of those. That's why, probably, why this sound was kind of familiar to us, because you know we grew up on a lot of that stuff, or it's just stuff that you know a lot of people like in the VGM scene. So, and I wonder what that OKIM six two nine five chip, because I did a quick search and. I, I can see here that VGM Rips has it listed as a four-channel ADPCM sound chip manufactured by Oki that was popular in arcade games from the early and mid-90s, but it doesn't okay. actually have anything that was like it was used in. Yeah, and I'm not familiar. Uh, the YM series I have heard uh, other podcasters talk about. I haven't heard anything about, about the Oki IM It's also known before, as the so. MSM6295 chip. I wonder if we can find anything based on that. Yeah. Well, if any of you guys I out there did. listening uh, know I did. your stuff, then... I did, yeah. actually, just based okay. on looking up yeah. that. Um, so, um, this sound chip was often paired with other sound chips to kind of, you know, expand the channels and the available memory. But this ch chip was also used in the Ghouls and Ghosts arcade cabinet. Um, Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Robocop, the arcade okay. version, Shadow Warriors, um, quite a few cabinets from the 87 Bad dudes to has some great music era. <laughs> Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Robocop 2, Lemmings. Okay, so yeah, definitely some chips that have been in games that uh, are a lot more well-known than Hot Dog Storms. <laughs> WWF Superstars. Oh, there you go, there you go. That was a great arcade cabinet, dude. That was a fun one. That was a yeah, man, it's taking me back to all those times that... Aladdin's Palace and Quarters and Tokens and all this other 
All the other ones. Most of, I, I didn't have any real like arcades in my area. Most of mine was spent at like Kahunaville or the local skating rink, which had a pretty decent sized arcade in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you find most of them now. There are a couple of, I mean, barcades are becoming more of a thing nowadays. And so there are a few of those in our area that I like to go to sometimes. But um, I don't think we have it. I know there's one in Vegas, but I don't even think we have a, a barcade in this area, unfortunately. Well, if you ever make your way down to Dallas, I'll take you to a couple of them. So Sounds good. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll have to do yeah. that sometime. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, we've had our we've had our dessert first, and then we had a couple hot dogs, and now it's uh, I guess maybe we're starting to feel a little bit queasy, and uh, might be time to get, get into something a little bit fresher. Um, we're moving into Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom, or in the Salad Kingdom, rather. Uh, this is from the NES version, and originally we saw that this was level six, uh, also called Carrot Plateau and Peanut Village. Yeah. Never played this game. Um, Nor have I. I don't know if it was released here or not, but I've definitely heard probably the whole soundtrack at this point on other shows. Really, really great work here by... Uh, the NES version actually was released here, surprisingly. Okay, 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 cool. But yeah, really great work here by Tomotsune Maeno. I remember Frank talking how he played this game, because I know he's picked a track from this before in the past on the show. Okay, it might actually have been you guys that I where I first heard this, so... Um, <laughs> But this is just a, I thought this was a nice little track. A lot of my stuff is a little, either a little faster or a little, um, like my next block is definitely like bigger and more epic. It's more modern sounding. Um, but I wanted to stick with some of the retro sounds in this first block. And uh, I could have gone with three or four different tracks from this game. It's really, it's not very long and it's all good stuff. So you guys should all go out and listen to all of them. But um, you said this is a, like a text-based adventure almost? It is. Yeah, no, it's, it's legit a text adventure. It plays pretty similarly to one. Um, but because the NES doesn't have, like, you know, support to connect a keyboard, all of the stuff that you would actually input into the game are just choices you can make on the sides of the, of the I screen. I see. Kind of like Maniac Mansion, but... Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a different aesthetic, but... Um, man, this box art is kind of terrifying. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like... Princess Tomato herself looks really... They're like Play-Doh, <laughs> right? Like Play-Doh kind of made yeah. into some characters, but mm -hmm. it's very unnerving and unsettling just how they look and whatever that green guy is supposed to be. I don't know if he's like... I think he's a cucumber. A cucumber or a pickle or something, but... Yeah. He's pissed. <laughs> he, he's the grumpy one of the group, it looks yeah. like. he's pissed. Uh, this apparently came out for the virtual console in Japan. Um, and in America. Oh, and in North America. Just, we got it a month later, uh, about a month later. But, okay, so in... Uh, in Japan, the game was called Sarada no Kune no Tomato Hime. Uh, this is a Hudson Soft joint uh, released originally for Japanese computer systems, the PC-88, uh, the PC-6000, which I haven't heard of, the FM7, and the MSX. And I imagine it probably worked quite a bit better on Japanese home so. computers because it's a text-based adventure, so you could actually like type stuff right, in. Right, and then it was ported to the, the Famicom and then the NES in 1991, so... Oh, wait, you ha that is a cucumber, and you play as him. Huh. Oh, yeah, taking the role of Sir Cucumber, a knight, the player is assigned by King Broccoli, now deceased, to defeat the evil Minister Pumpkin, <laughs> who has kidnapped Princess Tomato. Early on, Sir Cucumber gains a sidekick, Percy, the baby persimmon, who offers advice and helps throughout the quest, and always refers to Sir Cucumber as boss. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's cute. It's freaking crazy, man. Princess Tomato apparently makes an appearance in Super Bomberman R as a playable DLC character named Princess Tomato Bomber. <laughs> yes, she was, and I hated Super Bomberman R. Never played it. I did a review for what was then leveldowngames.com, now RPGera.com. It's still oh, out there okay. somewhere, but I forgot gotcha. that game. I did not think it was good. <laughs> Man. Um, this track, however, I do not hate. I really like how it has some, like, Renaissance medieval flair going on there. Yeah, and it has a really, really nice, pure tone that a lot of a lot of NES games didn't necessarily have. Although Hudson Soft, um, Hudson Soft had some some good stuff going on. Uh, where did you find the um, the composer for this one? I'm curious. Um, it's not I listed on know. Wikipedia, so I'm guessing somewhere Wikipedia. Uh, I, 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 actually. Okay, huh. It has it as uh, oh, Tomatsune yeah, Maeno. I do see that. Okay, I wonder I wonder if he or she, Tomotsune, I'm not sure. I wonder if, if they handled the music coming over. I mean, if they were a Hudson employee and Hudson did the port to, to the Famicom as well, then it's possible. I'm just curious. Um, yeah, I don't know. No telling. Um, who might have been involved in the port. Whoever did it. it they, Let's see. NES... Whoever did it, they yeah, knew their way Moby around. Yeah, Games has the same credit for the NES version. Okay. Uh, VGMPF has the NES version arranged by Katsunori Takahashi. Um, That's also possible. Who looks like, based on the games that they've worked on, might be another Hudson composer. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, th I'll throw that name up in the chat so we can list them both just to just for posterity. Yeah, just and, in case, because we're not sure. Yeah, so <laughs> great job. I mean, the original composition, but that does show that, that Maeno composed it. And if anything, Takahashi arranged it for the NES, but... So the composition's really strong, as you said. The sound is really good. Um, and so great job all around. Yeah, I like it. And speaking of ports and multiple multiple composers and possible arrangements and stuff, we're moving on to the Dizzy series, which yeah. fits in both because the, uh, the main character is an egg and also because one of the games that this track featured in is Fast Food Dizzy. Yeah, crazy looking game based on the box art you and I were chatting about while listening to this track. Yeah, and it looks like, I'm looking at this online, and it looks like Fast Food Dizzy might have gotten a facelift and been re-released fairly recently. Oh, really? Um, you can play it at OliverTwins.com, and you can also get it on the Switch. Uh, hmm, I don't think I knew Looks like that. you might be able to get it for free. You can install Fuse, uh, F-U-Z-E, from the eShop on Nintendo Switch, open it, select programs. Looks like maybe you have to know how to mod it, I'm not sure, but Oh, anyway, so this is maybe like uh, a modded thing for Switch? Possibly. It doesn't really, it doesn't say that any special, like, hardware is needed, but I don't know. This is above my head, but... But yeah, so the Dizzy series, I think mostly associated with the composer Alistair Brimble, who um, did a lot of the, the music for, for the series, and is one of my just, just fantastic composer. He almost made my Masters of EGM list, just because of the sheer number of games he's worked on and how good he can make it all sound. Um, he was one of my honorable mentions on, on that episode. But this, this track and these games, the Commodore 64 versions, which is the one we played, were actually composed by Steve. Barrett, a composer that I was not familiar with. But yeah, a name that's you, not really heard much, right? Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that you really liked this one, though. I did! I thought this was a super fun track, man. Like, there's some, like, playful sound effects in the background that mm -hmm. I feel, and I've not played these games, I'll say that right now. I've not played these games, oh, yeah. so I have no idea yeah. what's going on in them. But, <laughs> um, 
I do like the actual like sound effects and it kind of makes it or makes me not it makes me wonder if like because the box art shows him being chased by some <laughs> angry food I'm wondering yeah, if we're, like we're there is some sort about of like fast food dizzy because that's the food game but yeah yeah talk about this box art a little bit <laughs> It, like the box art makes me wonder if if he is just constantly like running from these pissed off elements or, of food. Like there's a a hamburger with some fangs coming out of his top bun, and he's got legs, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. Um, there is a, an angry turkey wearing a hat with a <laughs> face right in the middle of his breast, not not where his face would normally be. Yeah, and it's another really tomato, weird. <laughs> like a. A confused-looking tomato, actually. He he looks kind of special. <laughs> he does. Like he. Maybe he I wonder. I wonder if he's upset because Dizzy is friends with a ketchup bottle. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's freaked out about the ketchup bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess for us that it would be like like watching a giant bottle of human blood running around. <laughs> oh gosh, this this topic's getting a lot more morbid than I expected. But but this box art, man. It's crazy. I, I can't even tell. What is that on the top left? What is, is that an apple? I, I don't know if it's like a, a, a green apple. Cause I know, hey, you know, there's green apples, right? But yeah, it's a, that's, I haven't seen that particular color. It looks like a red apple that got moldy. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. And, and then there's like, tell, that's an ear of corn. Yeah. And I guess corn, that's, a, and then maybe a potato. A, a potato maybe. Yeah. A potato holding a, is that a hot dog or a switchblade or <laughs> a beef stick? Maybe snap it to a slim jim. Sure. <laughs> and then there's there's a what I'm assuming covered by the best by the best selling Oliver twins. I'm assuming that's yep. a carrot. Uh, that does look like a carrot, possibly a pepper. Um, yeah, the Oliver twins were the developers of the Dizzy series. Um, they are just a pair pair of brothers, the Oliver twins, and. Um, yeah, they, they made the first Dizzy game, and I think that they worked on all of the Dizzy games after that. So, and I'm intrigued by that fantasy is... world, Dizzy. I like uh, dinosaurs and stuff. Yeah, it's got some dinosaurs and some dragon-looking things, Dragons which makes sense with castles. fantasy. Um, if this is the same Steve Barrett, so I'm finding, I found on LinkedIn, a Steve Barrett. Uh, he doesn't list doesn't list any you know anything that he's worked on before but he lists himself as a professional musician and a music therapist that would be interesting <laughs> uh, i mean i use music therapy guy, all the time but, so I, I would i understand that yeah yeah well, he's here in the states in missouri so if that is him um i'd be curious how he got hooked up with the dizzy series but it might not be i'm gonna stop chasing that chasing that wild goose now but <laughs> yeah this was this was a fun fun little track I'm always excited when I can find... I don't always love Commodore 64 music. Um, some of it is really fantastic, but there's also a lot of just hot garbage out there. And so whenever I find music for the C64 that I really enjoy, I kind of kind of grab onto it. So I was glad I was able to bring it to the show. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought it was actually a really fun block. Um, kind of a shorter block, but really fun block. So I dug that. Yeah. I dug that. Well, I'm excited to get to your block, though, man. Yeah, I've got some, I got some interesting stuff in this block. Um... You know, we got some Tommy Tallarico to close us out, which will always be fun. But before <laughs> yep. we get to that, we have a, a really, really interesting track that I'm a little shocked Frank never ended up bringing to one of the previous episodes because I know he's a massive fan of this game, as am I. I thought this game was phenomenal. But um, this just is something that I'm just a little surprised he never actually brought to like a radio hour or anything. So to kick things off, we're going to take a listen to Chop Chop Master Onion Rap. 
from Parappa the Rapper. This released on November 17th, 1997, and was composed by Masaya Matsura and Yoshihishi Suzuki. Soul in the mind. If you wanna test me, I'm sure you'll find the things I'll teach you. Be sure to beat you. Nevertheless, you'll get a lesson from teacher. Now kick, kick, punch, punch, jump, tap, block, block. Once more, now kick, kick, punch, punch, jump, tap, and block, block. Don't get cocky. It's gonna get rocky. We're gonna move down to the next jockey now. Up next, we'll take a listen to Main Theme from the Wii Food Delivery Channel, released on May 26, 2009, composed by Kazumi Totaka. Thank you. 
Last up in this block, we'll take a listen to the Flyin' King, otherwise known as Level 8, A-T-E, from Earthworm Jim 2. Released November 15th, 1995, composed by Tommy Tallarico. Thank you. 
coming back in. We are talking about Chop Chop Master Onion Rap from Parappa the Rapper. Again, this was uh, <laughs> composed by Masaya Matsura and Yoshihisi Suzuki. I don't quite know <laughs> who was doing the vocals here. It was just whoever was voicing, right, the, the Master Onion and Parappa, Parappa and Master the Rapper. Onion, yeah. yeah. I, could, I could look it up. That's, that's you know, it's, it's been said, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but talk about your history with these games while I while I look that up because I never played the Parappa games, but I feel like I have because I've I've heard so many people just gush about these games. Right. And of course the, the soundtracks are delightful. So they are so much fun, dude. And what's amazing is that like the PlayStation version of this game when it released was so well received. It's at it's at like a ninety two on Metacritic. It's it's really really high in terms of a an obscure game like this. But I really fell in love with this because I've always enjoyed rhythm games, and this particular track is like the first stage that you go through, right? Like you first meet Master Onion, and this is basically like Parappa learning how to fight and you know kind of go through the world, right? Punch, block, kick, duck, dodge, right? All that stuff. And it's just, it's, it's such a wholesome, fun, quirky, weird game, dude. And I always was upset that, like, Sony abandoned it after two releases, right? We had Parappa the Rapper, and then there was Parappa the Rapper 2 for the PS2 in 2001 that also did release here in North America. And then after that, they kind of um, stopped just altogether. And in between those two games... There was Umjammer Lammy, which came out in like 99 for the PlayStation as well, which was another rhythm-based game starring another character from the Parappa game. But I just, I miss this series, man. I always was kind of hoping that when the PS4 took off and sold like freaking gangbusters and did like over a million sales that they, because there was rumors they were going to go back to Parappa, but it ended up just being like a re-release of the first game, which was fine, but I wanted something new. Yeah. Even just to get a new soundtrack, man, because that would be crazy fun. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about them. Um, real quick, uh, Lucan, <laughs> Lucan D, that's the initial D, and then last name Outdawsman. So Lucan D Outdawsman is the rapper name of uh, also who also goes by Dread Fox is uh, the guy who uh, voices Parappa the Rapper. Okay, uh, he was credited as John Simpson the Third in Parappa the Rapper Two. <laughs> And um, Chop Chop Master Onion was voiced by Ryu Watabe. Okay. So, okay, yeah, so who apparently has done done other uh, some other voice work for for Japanese games. So, um, but yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard Robin Purnell and Rhythm and Pixels both, especially Purnell, just just really talk ad nauseum about these games and how much they love them. Uh, one of my actually the um, girl who did my cover lady who did my cover art on Very Good Music, Naomi. Um, is a big fan of rhythm games and Parappa the Rapper specifically. And the other one that you mentioned, the one that came out in between. Um, Jammer Lemmy. Jammer Lemmy, yeah. Yeah, I know. She or Purnell, one or the other, um, mentioned that game recently for some reason. So, uh, But yeah, at Naomi's request on my um, listener showcase episode for Masters of EGM, I played uh, Toasty Buns from Parappa the Rapper 2. Which okay. Is, <laughs> yeah. Anybody out there, if this is your first taste of Parappa, music and you like it just do yourself a favor and go binge both soundtracks because it's all just amazing it's just so much <laughs> fun man like you have a hard time not smiling when listening to it because it's kind of weird right it's silly 
but it's actually kind of good at the same time. <laughs> Especially because this, this type of music was, you know, really, really popular when this game came out, right? Like the late 90s. This type of stuff was super popular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the right Especially level with of new metal. and fun. I know this is rap, but like new metal has elements of rap in there. That, you know, talking like Absolutely. Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit and everything, um, which Parappa kind of looks like. So. And Lammy, you may have already mentioned this, but so apparently Lammy is actually a spinoff character from Parappa who got yep. her own game. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, she cool. is. Yep. Good stuff, man. Yeah, good stuff. Um, well, uh, I think fewer people have probably heard of your of your next track than have heard of Parappa the Rapper. Talk a little about this one, man. I really, these next two tracks both, I was just sitting here <laughs> vibing, just enjoying myself. Yeah, these, these nice. next two were just nice and chill and fun to listen to. Um, we're talking now about the main theme from the Food Delivery Channel on the Nintendo Wii. This is not a game, this is a channel. And anyone that had a Wii knows that some of those unique channels that were introduced had some really excellent music, a lot of it composed, as this one was, by Kazumi Totaka. Um, We never got this channel here in North America. This was exclusive to Japan. And this channel supposedly allowed you to order food using your Wii. Which is kind of incredible. It's like, like DoorDash on your Yeah, Wii. I use DoorDash all the time. Yeah, DoorDash yeah, and Uber Eats. This was like 10 or 15 years before those really became popular services. So that's, that's crazy business. And this is such a chill track, dude. Like, we were talking about it, and I mentioned how I heard some influence and inspiration from maybe like some of the persona music that Shoji Megaro has done for this particular track. And kind of just like some of the areas and maybe Persona 4 specifically where you're walking through some of the towns and maybe going into like a ramen shop or something like this is a track that I could just totally hear playing or even like a yeah. real ramen shop. And I love this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Go into a ramen shop and just hear this on the speakers. That would, that put me in the mood to chow down on some nice authentic ramen. I love ramen. But yeah. And, and it made me think of um, Hip Tanaka's work and uh, some of the some of the later Kirby work, specifically by Hirokazu Ando um, from like uh, Kirby and Kirby's Return to Dreamland or the um, the most recent Kirby game, the the big one. Um, Epic Yarn. Gosh, no, I've played it. Uh, the the one for the Switch, the 3D. Oh, Kirby, uh, that was forgotten. About this year. Forgotten Land. Yeah, Forgotten Land. Um, it reminds me of music you might hear in like a hub world for a Kirby game. Um, of course, all those guys, Hirokazu Ando, was a little later, but he and Hip Tanaka and Kazumi Totaka were all kind of in that early 90s NES bubble of music composers. So, um, yeah, all, all good stuff. And this is just classic, like, chill Totaka. He, he can do so many different things, man. Great composer. Dude, he is a great composer. I freaking love his work, obviously. And specifically Animal Crossing, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Love Animal Crossing music, especially the GameCube version or N64 version as it was released in Japan back in the day. Now, my question to you is the uh, logo for the food delivery channel on the Wii. It's, it's a guy with a hat on holding a bowl. And the bowl is clearly hot because there's steam coming off of it. So yeah. is this a soup or is this ramen? 
Because it's Japan. It's one of the two. I mean, where do you draw the line between ramen and soup, really? I mean, I guess, uh, I guess the ratio close, of, of yeah. liquid to noodles. Yeah. <laughs> now, how, when you make ramen, how much liquid do you leave in your noodles? That's the question. Um, so for me personally, I grew up, my mom would actually fix up ramen and put it on the side of like, I'd oh, have so like, no like my meat and green beans and then, some, then just like noodles, like on a plate. And so I grew up with it like that. So I usually, I have a little bit to kind of keep it moist, but I usually just eat noodles. Um, my younger two kids like the ramen chopped up like real, real shorts and leave the soup in there. So it's more like a soup okay. with uh, just like noodle soup. Um, <laughs> noodle soup. But yeah. And I also, I actually don't know if my kids have ever had authentic ramen. Um, they always just have the, the top ramen. <laughs> See, get, I, I love me some top ramen, cheap. but authentic ramen is freaking delicious, dude. It, it is it, delicious. It is. It's good stuff. I'm going to have to take them at some point. We have a few few decent places around here. Yeah, there's nice one thing about living close to a city. To. So good. Yeah. Um, and what's your, uh, what's your go-to flavor of top ramen? Usually chicken usually chicken and but it's got to be the spicy chicken <laughs> yeah when they they used to have just a hot and spicy top ramen flavor they and still my wife do i loved think. that stuff uh, we can't find it anymore i don't know um there there are spicy ramen flavors but this one was specifically hot and spicy top ramen um and she she really liked that I used to be a beef ramen kind of guy, but lately it's all about shrimp for me. I like the okay. shrimp flavor. I like ramen. I like both shrimp and and beef as well. I like both of those flavors, but I don't know something about the chicken flavor. Just I usually have a couple of those in the pantry as well, and every now and then when I you know get it's a classic hungry for, for sure. it, I can eat it. <laughs> But, but to answer um, your question, I I would probably say soup on that logo for me. Just okay. to me, it looks like soup. It probably is a soup. It probably is a soup, in all honesty. <laughs> and I don't leave much liquid in my ramen either. Like, I drain a majority of it before I actually... I'll, I'll cook it, obviously, because you have to, right, in, in the water itself. But I will usually drain most of the water, leaving just a little bit. And then I add the seasoning, and I just mix it all up from there. But one of my favorite ways to eat ramen is with shredded beef in it as well. You no, know, I, especially with the shrimp ramen, I will actually, we talked about sardines on one of our recent episodes because I was having them for dinner. You I were, will cut up some sardines and throw them, in, <laughs> throw them in with the shrimp ramen. So. Like, let's have some sh- sardine and anchovy ramen. Like, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no freaking thank you. <laughs> yeah. Anchovies I still haven't acquired the taste for, but but I'm getting there maybe. Who knows? Who knows, but, man? Sardine and uh, and mackerel both. Mackerel has a little bit more of a chickeny flavor, so it's actually good in both the chicken and the shrimp ramen. But both good. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm curious how many restaurants participated in the food delivery channel service on the Wii. I don't know, man. I'm all researched out for this block, though. That's a yeah. that's a podcast for a different podcast. Yeah. Fortunately, your your next game isn't going to require a lot of research. It's a little bit more mainstream. A little bit more <laughs> mainstream. A little bit more well known. Obviously, a a very popular composer in Tommy Tallarico. We are talking about the Flying King, which is otherwise known as level eight. And that's not like eight as in the number. It's eight as in A-T-E from Earthworm Jim 2. And this particular level in the game actually had Earthworm Jim being 
I said assaulted when we were listening. You're like, oh, assaulted, huh? Like, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, yep. By like various steaks and forks and just like a bunch of, I think there was like burgers and I remember <laughs> you were platforming on strips of bacon. It's a it's a trippy, crazy level, dude. <laughs> Sounds like you need to get up and go get a snack after you play that level. Yeah, basically. I do. I do love me some bacon. I do oh, like yeah. burgers. You know, I, I like all that stuff. I, I love steak. Bacon, burgers, bacon on burgers, you know, it's yeah, all good stuff. Exactly. Oh, yeah, a good a good steak is hard to beat for sure. Yeah. Now how do you like your steaks? Um I usually get the medium. Um Okay. I don't like them too tough, but I also don't like them bleeding. I feel like they they have just the right amount of flavor and temperature when they're when they're medium. I'm one of the weird ones that likes some restaurants can be um, medium well, depending on mm-hmm. how well they cook it. But there are some restaurants where I actually have to order well done as because I, I do like very, very minimal to no pink in my steak. That's how my wife is too. She if it's too pink, she'll complain about it and I will she doesn't like sending stuff back. She's not that kind of person, but I can always tell and I I always send it back and I'm like, Hey, could you guys cook this just a little bit more? So Yeah. I've had to but do yeah. that quite a few times and there's now and now I just know, okay, this restaurant I need to order well done to get it the way I like it. And usually it's not too tough, not too rubbery or chewy or anything like that. But um, yeah, a lot of that really comes down to the cut of the meat. So and I normally get filet mignons. Oh yeah, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> and I just if I have to get it well done, then I just order it butterfly, so that way it's a better cut and a better cook. But mm-hmm. for um, sure. Now this track is, and I made another joke that you or I didn't make <laughs> a joke, but you took it into a joke. I said it sounds like a salsa. And it's Which just it so, so fun, dude. And I love so the steel drums. You say salsa, I immediately think of food. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it is, it's so nice, man. It's, uh, uh, and Tommy Tallarico obviously knows his way around around the Genesis hardware. Um, he he did what I think is some of his best work on, on Genesis. I and, agree with that, yeah. But and, and this just sounds so much nicer than a lot of that Torpy Genesis stuff can sound. I love a lot of Genesis tracks, but when when you don't do it right, it definitely doesn't sound sound right. So. Right, right. Some of it can sound you know kind of grungy, right? But this does not sound that way at all. Not at and all. Just the actual, like I said, that salsa flair, the steel drums just makes you want to just vibe and groove it's a it's a real chill track absolutely yeah and i, I told you while we were listening to this that this the, these first two blocks just on the whole have really been just delightful um i think that uh i think a lot of people are going to enjoy this nice nice digesting music <laughs> i hope so yeah maybe maybe you can listen to it while you're uh you know eating dinner or something eating a snack or just yeah i don't know do I, I will say my next block is is more intense we're getting into the main course now and uh <laughs> my next block's pretty intense too after that <laughs> <laughs> well nice we great minds think alike i suppose and um we're gonna have a nice little mix of tracks here uh, definitely some some main course stuff going on We've already had Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom, so we're going to start things off with uh, no salad. Uh, this game is Cat Girl Without Salad, Amuse Bouche, and the track we are going to listen to is Chefinoff. This was composed, uh, if that sounds familiar, by the way, just listen, there's a reason. Uh, so yeah, Chefinoff from Cat Girl Without Salad, Amuse Bouche, released April 1st, 2020, and composed by Jake Kaufman.
This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Next up, we're going to listen to Sushi Showdown from Octogeddon, released February 8th, 2018, composed by Jimmy Henson.
Last up in this block, we're going to listen to Tropical Crust from Pizza Tower, releasing later in 2022 and composed by Mr. Saucman. First, talking about Shefinoff's theme from Cat Girl Without Salad. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, silly track, but somehow still still come, coming across as epic. Shefinoff! <laughs> Jake Hoppin channeling Nobuo Uematsu here. <laughs> Dude, yeah, man. I didn't get that at first. Like, when I was typing up the, the notes for the episode, you know, I typically don't explore YouTube comments as before I listen because I, I I want my experience to be authentic when I hear tracks especially when I hear them for the first time and I don't want to be influenced oh, by yeah. someone else's thoughts yeah so, I never listen to your tracks before uh, the episode either so yeah <laughs> and I usually won't look at YouTube comments until after we've discussed it just to kind of see like mm-hmm. you know if what I'm saying is maybe mimicked or, or mirrored by other people that have commented on this and um, so just by the name Shefinoff, I would have never drew the correlation to Sephiroth until I heard the music kick in. I was like, oh, now I get it. 
I didn't either. Like, um, I and I heard it described uh, a long time before I actually heard it. Like, heard heard it the way it is. But I still like when I first. Um, I think I had forgotten by the time I actually encountered this in game. But oh, so you uh, played this? Yeah, man. I have. I own this. Oh wow! And, um, it's I. I'll get. I'll get to that. But um, have you ever heard of this game at no. all? No. Okay. I've not. So, Cat Girl Without Salad, without the Amuse Boost, Boosh, was announced by Way Forward in 2013 as one of the company's usual April Fool's Day jokes. Like, it was announced as this huge, um, like, multi-genre, like, epic kind of game um, with Jake Kaufman, who was, like, riding high at that time after Shovel Knight. Uh, slated to compose for it. Well, fan response to the mock-up artwork and the trailer music that was made, that Kaufman made for the April Fool's Day joke was so strong that the game actually ended up being developed. It, it was not nearly as big as, you know, the April Fool's Day joke. Uh, in fact, I would say it's probably not worth the full price on the eShop just because it's so short. What's there is delightful, but it's it is an amuse it, it is an amuse bouche. It's not very um, substantial, but it's it's a lot of fun. It looks great. It sounds great. Um, Cat Girl Without Salad Amuse Bouche is a side-scrolling shoot 'em up that stars this. Um, really annoying cat girl named uh, uh, Kibako. Uh, she's just really full of herself, really ditzy, uh, but the straight man in, in the game is your sidekick, uh, Squiddy. Um, he's your loyal companion and is kind of the foil to some of Kibako's more, uh, more, more toxic personality traits. Okay. But... Um, she is a sort of like bounty hunter, space cop type girl, Samus. um, who's, yeah, kind of, yeah, but more, more, uh, oh, what do you call it? The, the cutesy Japanese. Kawaii? Uh, I don't know if I'd go with Kawaii, uh, maybe Chibi is the word I'm thinking of. Okay, Chibi, but yeah, yeah. she's definitely very, she's very, like, she would fit in with the, uh, the Inklings. She's got kind of a similar aesthetic to her. Um, but, uh, and you know, Squiddy, there's some connection there. But she is tasked with taking out these three super powerful beings. And you find out through the course of it, I think that all three of them are her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one is an intergalactic chef who also has like godlike power, and that's Shefanoff. That's um, amazing. The, the really cool um, mechanic in this game is your gun can change into different types of, like, weapon. One of, and each one of them, like, channels a different genre of game. So there's one that's like a rhythm gun where you fire the gun and then what you fire are arrows going in different directions. And if you hit the arrow, it'll always do a little bit of damage, but if you hit the direction the arrow is pointing at the same time that it hits an enemy, like you would in a rhythm game, it'll do more damage. Um, there's also a platforming gun. I don't really remember how that one works, but... There's all kinds of uh, of different weapons that you can use, and it's it's a fun little game, but it is very very short. So I just want to warn people about that. But if you could find it um, for sale, it, it would be a good bargain. And it's a lot of fun. The soundtrack is all. I mean, it's Jake Kaufman. Yeah, you can't really go wrong, all right? Super fun, <laughs> Jake Kaufman. <laughs> I I freaking love this track, dude. It's epic in a, in a game that probably shouldn't have been epic, right? Like... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah. good. 
Speaking of which, though, man, um, this next track. Yeah. <laughs> you, you love you, this one, dude. You brought a freaking amazing track here with this middle track of that block. Yeah, this is Sushi Showdown from Octogeddon, released February 8, 2018. And this is composed by Jimmy Hinson, who is also known by the moniker Big Giant Circles. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, uh, he's composed, he's a video game composer, but he also, he got started and actually developed his name, Big Giant Circles, as a remixer on, uh, OC Remix, but he has since contributed tracks to game, to games in the Borderlands series, uh, Street Fighter, Call of Duty, Mass Effect. I don't know what songs he contributed to those. We'd, we'd have to look into it, but this game, Octogeddon, is one that he did all of the work for. And he's a great composer. I really, really enjoy his work. Um, but I also just, this game sounds crazy. <laughs> just, you, uh, you were talking about the, yeah. the cover. You were like, why is, so the cover is this giant mutant <laughs> octopus um, that uh, I think you can see it like attacking a ship or something. But it's just this angry looking yeah, like octopus. A, like a ship that looks like a bomb almost. Yep, almost. But when you look at each of its tentacles on the cover art, you start to notice each one is different. One of them ends in a crab claw. One of them looks like an elephant trunk, which you pointed out. One of them is a giant snake. And when I read the blurb on Steam, which, by the way, you can currently purchase this game for $8.88 on Steam. My bad. Um, uh, reviews are very positive. Um, it is developed and published by All Yes Good Games. <laughs> Uh, and here's the description. You are Octogen, a massive mutant octopus with one mission, destroy the world. Grow more tentacles and evolve each of them into deadlier and deadlier weapons until you become the ultimate eight-legged killing machine. Okay, so you play as the octopus. You, you are the giant octopus and your name is Octogen. Yeah, I'm looking at the <laughs> screenshots on Steam now, so like... Throughout the levels, it looks like you get access to various tentacle legs, and you can kind of... I don't know if you get to, like, pick and shoot. I'm assuming you do. There's a screenshot. He has a chicken head as a tentacle, so... I'm I'm assuming (laughs) you get to kind of choose what your tentacles are as you go, and it looks like you can purchase new ones. This looks freaking nuts, dude! It's an arcade action strategy game with elements of roguelike. Uh, the lead designer on the game is George Fan, whose previous game was Plants vs. Zombies. So it's got some of that same quirky humor in it. This looks like a lot of fun. And this track, man, I was blown away by this. Like I like I said to you when we were listening, so I was good, enthralled dude. by listening to it. It's just it it's the final boss music according to, you know, the other the other credits that we found and what's on the YouTube video, but this fits, man. It's like an epic piece of music. I could clearly hear this in a boss battle. It really is, yeah. It's uh, and it's got some. I mean, it's all, all the the musical tropes are there. Uh, it's got some great synth sounds, some some excellent guitar, some really cool, you know, final boss vocals, choir and, work uh, in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yep. those vocals. Yep. Uh, by the way, you can also the game has been ported to Switch. Uh, you can get it for eight eighty eight on the Switch as well. So eight eighty eight. Yep, okay. it's a very specific price point, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks fun, man. I think I might actually wish list this one. Uh, this is an interesting looking one. Yeah, I have to see. But, I'm gonna have to listen to the rest of the soundtrack to see see what it else because I'm I'm not familiar with this, so I'm gonna have to explore the rest of it. Yeah, there is some good stuff on there. Uh, this to me was was definitely the standout track. So, nice. um, 
I'm glad you brought it. Yeah, and I don't know where I... I, I must have just started searching. I think I did. I started searching, like, um, breakfast video games, um, steak <laughs> video games, beef video games, and I, I searched pizza video games <laughs> and found a lot of stuff. But this one, this one came up, and the soundtrack for this next game, the third one in our block, is really, really good stuff. It um, is. This is Tropical Crust is the one we played from Pizza Tower, which, okay, so it is currently available as an itch.io game. Okay. Uh, PizzaTowerGuy.itch.io. You can play the demo on that site. But it is in development for full release later on this year. Uh, Pizza Tower is a 2D platformer developed by, um, I think it's just a person who is going by the moniker of Tour de Pizza. Um, it's a spiritual successor to the Wario Land series, featuring um, action-packed platforming gameplay, uh, a unique, over-exaggerated, low-resolution art style like Ren and Stimpy, and a 16-bit inspired soundtrack that is uh, has been compiled by several different composers. Composer for this track was um, goes by the name Mr. Sauceman. Uh, Who I did find on Twitter. Letters, uh, yeah, yeah. I saw the, this. This game has a Twitter. Uh, Mr. Sauceman has a Twitter. Another of the composers it goes by Klasky Jitto. Looks like C L A S C Y J I T T O. Um, looks like they're the two primary composers. Uh, oh, Klasky Jitto is also known as Frostix. Um, that's Frostix with an X at the end. Okay. Uh, a couple of other one shots here: Post Elvis, uh, Luigi Denza. Um, so yeah, a couple different ones here. But yeah, so, and apparently Pizza Tower, uh, the pilot Pizza Tower is currently unfinished, but it mainly follows Peppino Spaghetti, oh a neurotic God. and overweight Italian chef with a failing business as he goes through several different gauntlets to pay the debt to his landlord, Mr. Stick. I'm pretty sure that's Frank's <laughs> real name, Peppino Spaghetti. Peppino Spaghetti. I'm pretty sure. That's his birth name. Sounds like a, sounds like a punch-out villain. <laughs> Pizza pasta. <laughs> uh, along the way, several foes attempt to foil his plans, including a mischievous being known as the Noise, which hates all hates all things pizza. <laughs> oh man, the game sounds actually amazing. sounds pretty delightful. It, it sounds looks, amazing. <laughs> it looks really good. Like the demo. I mean, it, the demo looks like an indie game, but it looks fun. The the character is well animated. Looks like there's some cool mechanics here. I see he's like rolling up and down steps at one point. At one point, he like plows through a wall like where he goes charge shots or charge move. Um, but yeah, the music just... There were a few different tracks from this game that were on my list, and I brought this one because it was the most unique with my other uh, playlist. Dude, it's... It's pretty funky, man, and it, it has a lot of, like, some of those, like, again, kind of like we talked about with Parappa. It has some of those, like, 90s vibes to it. It does. That, uh... <laughs> Um, that sort of when, when all the music started to fuse right. and it hadn't yet settled into the, all the vanilla stuff that's on the radio now it was actually kind of quirky and and again eclectic right um, one might say almost Kikuda-esque <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know this blending of different things where is it pop is it rap is it alternative what what am I listening to and you don't really know and that's amazing <laughs> so good man I really love I really love this actually and it just, like I said, and it's funny because all three of these games in this block, I had never heard of until this episode. So, 
Yeah, I had never heard of two of them. I, o- Octageddon I had seen pop up on my YouTube uh, feed a few times when I was searching for different things, but I hadn't actually listened to anything from it. And yeah, I'd never heard of Pizza Tower before this, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed discovering this block, and I'm glad that you glad that you enjoyed the music. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one, so... Thank now, you for I have that. heard, I think I've only played one of these games actually in your next block, but I have heard music from all three of these soundtracks. And yeah, these we are, are in for pretty, in for some good probably the outside of like Parappa and Rayman and Earthworm Jim, right? Like these are, are three pretty well-known games. Um, I have played two of these games and have not played the one in the middle, so, but I've heard music from all three as well, but. The one in the middle, probably more obscure, but yeah. Um, but it's still a great soundtrack. I, it I really explored is. this for for a different themed episode that I did with my uh, my kiddo Dusk, um, who I'm sure we'll talk about when we come back. So. Okay, cool. Well, let's jump to this last block then before we close this episode out. Uh, to kick things off, we are going to go ahead and jump into Ground Beef, otherwise known as the Rust Golem Battle from Super Meat Boy Forever. This released on December 23rd, 2020, and was composed by Matthias Bossi and John Evans.
Next up, let's go ahead and take a listen to Buttermilk Bay from Aqua Kitty. This released on June 9th, 2013, composed by Electric Cafe. Last up in this block, before we close the episode out, let's go ahead and take a listen to Gourmet Galaxy from Overcooked 2, released on August 7th, 2018, composed by Oliver Wood.
coming back in, we are talking about ground beef in my ramen news <laughs> from otherwise known as the Rust Golem Battle <laughs> from Super Meat Boy Forever. And again, this was composed by the duo of Matthias Bossi and John Evans, otherwise known as Ridiculon. Yeah. I love yeah. this track, dude. Um, we were talking about it earlier. Jeff, I think Jeff is really going to enjoy this episode. He's he's brought a couple of Ridiculon tracks to very good music before, and um, he's also uh, he just he's a fan of a lot of this this stuff. But this was a fun track, man. Very Meat Boy esque. Yeah, very Meat Boy. And you and I were talking about like you know, do we prefer Ridiculon's work? Do we prefer Danny Baranowski in terms of the uh, the compositions? And I do think I kind of lean more towards Danny in terms of just his style and his his work as opposed to Ridiculon. Um, yeah. You know, and a lot of that has to do with Crypt of the Necrodancer because I just freaking love that soundtrack. But um, Kyle actually reviewed Meat Boy Forever for RPGera.com when it released in December of 2020 and did not like it nearly as much as the first. He gave it a 6.5 out of 10 and kind of did not like the fact that they added an auto-run mechanic to Meat Boy Forever to where you just were constantly moving and felt like it was a more like a cheaply made knockoff than a 10 year developed sequel to the original. Okay. But I've not finished Meat Boy Forever. I have played some of it. I am also in agreement that it's not nearly as intuitive or good as the original, but the soundtrack still is really freaking rocking, man. And you know, I couldn't have done this episode without some sort of representation from Meat Boy. Like, legit. <laughs> funny. First thing I caught of Didn't, when we did this episode. Not theme. even a blip on my radar. Uh, I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe because I've only played a little bit of the Meat Boy games. I'm not good at them, um, and I, I know that they're like. Well, dude, they're know, they're um, brutally difficult games. What, what, what do you call it? Um, uh, not not not. Pay to win or free to win or, or free to play, like die to win. I think I've heard a, a phrase like that for yeah, certain basically. Kinds of games. Like, like you're supposed to die and yeah, learn it's how punishing. to do it, but it's punishing um, for sure. I prefer I prefer Celeste. Okay, <laughs> Man, that's I more my speed. Kyle would agree with you. He loved Celeste as well. It was like his game of the year that year. It came out. Oh, it's such a great game. It is. It's a fantastic game. Probably could have brought something with a you know something to do with the strawberries from Celeste. Didn't mm-hmm. think about that. There probably was <laughs> something we could have explored there for sure. But man, this this was great. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, such a great track. And again, this entire soundtrack is just from start to finish. There's a lot of choices I could have went with from Super Meat Boy Forever. You know, there are a lot of musically. Or not musically, that's that's not the right word to use. Food labeled tracks in Meat Boy Forever. Like I'm actually looking it back up because I don't remember what they're all called, but some of them were kinda hilarious. There is <laughs> Beef Flat, there's uh Chickened Out, Tenderizer, obviously ground beef, which we just played. Nobody's Euro. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Don't go bacon my heart. Oh, man. Uh, jerky. Love it. Out of time, like T-H-Y-M-E. Make no mistake. <laughs> worst case scenario, <laughs> spelled W-U-R-S-T. <laughs> uh, worst case scenario, nice. Yeah, there's some good stuff on the soundtrack, man. But I, oh, I enjoyed this track the most stuff. out of everything that I listened to, and that's why I brought this one. 
<laughs> Very cool, man. I really, like I said, really liked it. Nice and rocking. Um, definitely going some some different places with uh, with these last two blocks than we were for our first two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> way, way different. Way different. Way different. And that takes us into the middle track from Aqua Kitty in the Miracle Mine. Or not the Miracle. Not in the Miracle Mine. It's Milk Mine Defender. I don't know why I was thinking Miracle Mine, but it's oh, Aqua yeah, Kitty yeah, yeah. Milk Mine Defender. Milk Mine Defender. Yeah, that's the actual <laughs> name of the game. Uh, and this was Buttermilk Bay, composed by Electric Cafe. Fantastic soundtrack here by Electric Cafe. Oh, dude, it's great. You said you played some of this on, or at least a track from this game on your cat episode. Yeah, so last, uh, yes, last year on Very Good Music, um, uh, it was season three, back when I was doing seasons, episode five, um, and I had Dusk, my, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter on here, uh, Shukapau's little sister, and um, she is a cat girl, loves cats, <laughs> owns two, and so we did cat games that episode, and I so the went through cat girl without salad's actually based on her. <laughs> um, she does like cat girl without salad, uh, and interestingly enough, we actually didn't play any cat girl without salad on that episode, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, we did do, uh, let me see what else that I could have brought here. Samurai pizza cats. That would have worked. Yeah. Um, from Aqua Kitty, I actually played creamy cove on that episode. Another nice track. That's probably all I see here that would have worked for, uh, for food, but, um, yeah, it was a fun episode. Episode three dash five. If anybody wants to go check that out on very good music, but yeah, man, this, this was really cool. I love that, um, that sort of. Um, not really an arpeggio, but just kind of a, I guess you'd call it a trill, an electronic trill that, um, uh, it's, it's a classic sound in Western, uh, VGM, yeah. but Electric Cafe uses it to really good effect in, in this. This is super synthy and electronic and I just love it. And that's the big reason I kind of gravitated toward this track. I, I love the synth. Um, I've not played this game. Steam has it listed as a like an arcade shooter with a submarine that you're kind of controlling the submarine with a cat in it and it's like just basically yeah. a, an arcade That's shooter. What it looks like it looks like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just never had a chance. If to you play. like that sort of game, we've played actually. We've had several on this episode that you can. We really out. have. We really have. But this is just a fun track, man. Like super, super rock. Not rocking, but like super. I was rocking back and forth listening to this. I couldn't sit still. That's mm-hmm. what I, I guess that's the word I was trying to use there. What it was I was dancing. trying to say. Yeah, very nice dancing. Track. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I think uh, Koshiro would probably enjoy this track. I wonder if he's still listening to our episodes. I don't know. I like to think so. Uh, if you are, um, hi Koshiro-san. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of this track on Twitter if you, if you have a chance. Can you imagine he just tweets out, "Yeah, I really liked that uh, Buttermilk Bay track that that Brian and Bedroth brought on the most recent that episode would, of BG That would be so great. We'd have lose, to we'd have to add Electric shit, Cafe. Dude. That'd probably give him a give him a, a boost. Lose my shit if he did that. <laughs> that would be awesome. Man. Oh well. Um, I've got one more track to talk about before we close this episode out and discuss the closeout track that you brought for us, which is Gourmet Galaxy from Overcooked 2. Another game that I knew I was going to, or a series, I should say, that I knew I was going to kind of pick from for this particular theme because I have played to completion both Overcooked and Overcooked 2. Um, back in the day when they came out, Jessica and I actually played these together, which was a lot of fun. But I love this track, man. Like, it's called Gourmet Galaxy, right? And it's one of the actual, like, 
areas that you'll explore in the overworld of Overcooked 2, but you even mentioned it, like, it's got some almost like spooky vibes. It does, yeah. I um I don't I don't remember if I actually heard a theremin in here, but it, it would have fit in. It's got um I wanna say I there what was, was around like the minute mark. <laughs> I feel like that I was don't know a theremin. What I was expecting because the uh, the overcooked soundtracks are, are they they have a nice variety of music in them, um, all good stuff. But, but yeah, this was this was really cool. Uh, again, uh, really unique among the other tracks we played on the episode. Yeah, could have fit into like uh, you know we're getting closer and closer to October, and once we hit October, we usually do yeah. play some some spooky stuff each week. But looking forward to that, man. Me too, man. We've got some some really fun <laughs> stuff lined up for October, and I'm I'm excited to do all of those. But um, just a fun track. I like it a lot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed this block, man. That was that was good stuff, and I've really enjoyed this episode. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm glad we actually got a chance to sit down together and record an episode of BG Mania. It's been a few weeks now since yeah. we've gotten a chance to do this so yeah we're doing it a little later this week than expected uh tuesday night was was a really weird night for me so um thanks for your your patience with that we've kind well, of fallen okay. into a groove of recording on tuesdays but yeah um but this is but i'm glad glad i squeezed it in because this i wouldn't have wanted to miss this it was a really fun episode yeah this was a fun episode i'm glad we got a chance to do this and it is a thursday night technically it just hit midnight so now it's friday for me but um, hopefully this episode will still be up. There's probably no chance I get it done on Friday, like today, tomorrow, whatever, however you want to look at it. But maybe by Saturday, hopefully I can get this up and finished. I'd like to still get it out by the end of the week. So, Yep, that would be cool. That's my goal. Well, since we're taking things a little out of order, do you want to talk a little bit about how next week is maybe not going to be what, what people expect? Yeah, we probably should. So normally, you know, as we do here on BG Mania, we close out each month with a a rendition or a new volume to Radio Hour, right? That's usually how we close out the month. But it just so happens that the last week of this month, so August 31st, if the episode uploads when it should, and it probably won't, but <laughs> um, if it did, that day would be episode 250. And we have something really kind of special planned for episode 250 that we are still uh, in the midst of working on. And so I excited. don't want to so quite good. give it away yet. Uh, yeah, me neither. I probably won't even give it away at the end of Radio Hour next week. I'll probably nope. just let it be a surprise when the episode drops <laughs> that week. But I know this is a, a really a really big thing for you. And I'm, I'm glad that we were able to pull this off and kind of have this be our 250th and uh two, not anniversary 200 my god that'd be amazing if we got to 250th but we'd both be long dead long dead <laughs> by then anniversary long that dead by have, then yeah. that would be a miracle <laughs> yeah long, we'll be long gone but um for our 250th episode i think this is gonna be a lot of fun so make sure you tune in for that in two weeks but because of that we're actually gonna have radio hour next week so uh, Bedroth will be, you know, not with me. It'll just be the normal radio hour format next week. And we'll have a block of three from you guys, a block from Bedroth, a block from me. It should be a lot of fun. Radio hour next week instead of the end of the month this time. But that's okay. It's okay to switch things up every now and then. It's okay. It's okay. And uh, speaking of switching things up, this last track features <laughs> a character that is on the Nintendo Switch. And this is not even from a game. 
Nope, I'm switching things up because uh, I'm I'm breaking the rules a little bit. That's okay. We we <laughs> now, do it. We do it sometimes. It's okay. Now the original track was from a game, and this track has been featured and redone and remixed and covered in lots of other games. It's a Kirby classic. Um, so the original track is Butter Building, um, composed by Hirokazu Ando for uh, Kirby's Adventure way back on the NES. Uh, but this was actually um, written or arranged for the Kirby cafes that sprang up in Japan back in 2016. And I believe that on the there were two official CDs that were released um, that contained music from the Kirby cafe. And this was on the first one. And on that CD, this track is called Butter Brimming Building. And it's it's a really really cool uh, lo-fi. Um, I, I it, it's a loose arrangement. It, it's definitely got the butter building melody in it, but it's a lot less obvious than any other iteration that I heard. Uh, it actually does appear to have been arranged by Hirokazu Ando for um, Kirby Cafe, which is really cool. And I mean, it's butter. Kirby's all about food. It plays in friggin' cafe. So. What better way to end this episode? You what, know what better way? Chill track. I do love that lo-fi style, man. I listen to a lot of playlists and just a lot of lo-fi music in general. I love that stuff. So I'm A-OK with this track. I really enjoyed it when we listened to it. Yeah, man. Really, really cool stuff. And I want to go to the Kirby Cafe. Are they still open? Yeah, they are. Oh, yeah. It was going to be like a temporary thing, but they were so popular that they just stayed open, I think. Yeah. So. Like the initial one first like it closed down after like a couple months or something like that and then they reopened it in 2018 and then they decided to make it permanent by 2021 and apparently uh, they serve burgers and pizza with a distinctive Kirby feel and their most (laughs) expensive item is the Wispy Woods sweet plate I have heard about that plate yeah, which uh, translated to U.S. dollars comes out to about $19. All righty. Man, that's that's an expensive dessert for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what it tastes like and, and what it uh, what it consists of because I would like to try it. And they also had a chocolate pizza at one time. I wonder how that would taste. <laughs> i tell you what, if we, uh, if we make it to episode 500, we'll have to see if we can't plan oh, a little trip to Japan for, for the two of us. We can check out a Kirby Cafe. Oh, we're going to make it to episode 500. I mean, it's going to be another <laughs> five and a half years till we get there, but we'll definitely get there. Well, maybe not as long because, you know, BG Mania took a little bit of a hiatus, so... But uh, what if we did a live episode from a Kirby Cafe? Man, that would be so cool. <laughs> That'd be that would be amazing. It's we, need, date. <laughs> we might need to make that happen. <laughs> we just might. Be. Oh, man. But I'm hungry now. You mentioned it. I'm, I've got the munchies. <laughs> I need to throw down on some Pop-Tarts. So I do think uh, I think that should probably bring us to the close of the show, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. No, I think that's it. There's not really a whole lot else going on at the moment. Maybe uh, maybe by the next time I'm on, I'll have a little bit more stuff happening. But it's nice. The rest of my family's really busy because they just started school. But for me, I'm just, <laughs> just still chilling. enjoying my working from home and just, just chilling. Just chilling. Yep. <laughs> Actually right. relaxing outside pool <laughs> yeah shooting some <laughs> shooting some b-ball and then a couple of guys who were up to no good they started yep. making trouble somewhere started making trouble in the neighborhood yeah so i took them to kirby cafe and now we're all friends <laughs> <laughs> all right well that is unfortunately gonna bring us to the close of the show for this week we do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of bg mania made possible of course by rpgera.com if you aren't going there make sure you are we are uploading reviews left and right 
We've already had four posts this week with another one or maybe even two dropping before the end of the week. So we are back in full swing doing reviews over there. So make sure you're checking it out. If you like video game music and more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. All right, Bedroth, what are we closing out with once again? Once again, we are closing out with Butter Brimming Building, music written for the Kirby Cafe, released in 2016 when the cafe opened, and composed and arranged by Hirokazu Ando. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.